And as Will Campbell able to take a, not just a next step, he's going to have to take a big, big boy step on Sunday night. And I know he's talented and everything, but as you're going against Jared Verse, who's projected top 10 pick in this 2024 NFL draft, it's not going to be an easy night whatsoever. And they're going to have to game plan for that. They're going to have to put two on Jared Verse. And that opens up a lot of stuff for your inside there in the trenches for Braden Fisk, Fabo, Farmer, Malcolm Ray. I can just keep on rambling on about uh, that defensive line, Dennis Briggs. So there's there's all kinds of things. Does that open up now? If they're going to put so much focus on Jared Verse or on one side, does Pat Payton kind of be a star here on Sunday night? As I see some nods here. Could that be a potential guy that be, is a star for the Seminoles on defense this weekend? Hey, guys, it's Terrence Nan. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Dose. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, a.k.a. E-Dub in the house. So we're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go live, go nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, Go Nose. This is Terrell Fuckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. No bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Deion Primetime Sanders. Great Deion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, bro? man? I, I could wake up to that greedy every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Here's the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go no. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What's happening, guys? This is Logan Robinson from Here the Spear, put into you by NoelGameDay.com. We are here live on a wonderful, fantastic Wednesday evening. And ladies and gentlemen, it is officially game week in Orlando. The Florida State Seminoles, number eight in the country, take on Brian Kelly and the LSU Tigers, number five in the nation for a primetime matchup Sunday night, Labor Day weekend on ESPN, ESPN's number one broadcast team, Kirk Herbstreit, Chris Fowler calling the game, Holly Rowe on the sideline. Everything's just adding up to being a big-time, fun, exciting weekend, and definitely Sunday night. Uh, we were looking at a we're looking at a fun weekend, man. I'm excited. But uh, we're going to spend this time on this episode going through an official full-on FSU versus LSU game preview for you guys. At the end of the show, we'll be giving our score predictions to this we're going to talk about Florida State's depth chart that got released earlier this week and give our thoughts on a few couple minor little changes here and there that might be an outlook into further into the season. Uh, and then other than that, we're going to talk a big time LSU as we've got our expert with us on this evening. But before we get started, as always, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. As always, if you're on YouTube right now, hit the like button, share it with your friends. Make sure that you're in the comments, too, while we ask during uh, the time when we talk score predictions. Make sure you drop in your score predictions as well. We want to hear y'all's uh, also. But with me this evening is Dustin Lewis, our editor-in-chief at NoGameMe.com. And we've got Austin Beasy, our lead basketball writer at NG. But more importantly, we've got our special guest we had last year, second time in a row. But we've got Zach Nagy from Sports Illustrated's LSU country. My man, good to hear from you again. We're here year two, the rematch for the LSU Tigers. It's about that time, dude. I, I, I'm excited. I know all four of us are ready to get this going, and I, I can't wait. We're back, baby. We're back. 
It feel it, it feels good, man. It feels good. How are we feeling, Dustin? VZ, we're here. The off season's like literally over, over now. Feeling great. You know, we got some power and excited to talk about this game tonight. You know, I I think whenever we all walked out of the Caesars Dome a year ago, you know, we both knew that Florida State and LSU were probably going to surpass the expectations they had coming into the preseason. I don't know that we both knew that they were going to go on the ride that they both had in 2022 and now both coming to the season in top 10. I mean, the way that they're going to have this rematch, it's going to be really exciting on Sunday night. Yeah, football is here. The hurricane's gone. I'm I'm ready to get this thing started. I know, man. I know that the hurricane kind of sped up this week a little bit and gave us some distractions. But now since it's passed here in St. Pete, for me, it's strictly on to football. And that's why I'm here. I mean, that's literally why we're here on this show to talk Florida State versus LSU, which I've been looking forward to do since after that game, I think, last year. Because like you were saying, Dustin, we didn't know what to really expect fully. Both teams had some talent. Both of these teams weren't ranked at the time. But now thinking a year later and the runs that they were able to make in 2022 to have this be a top 10 matchup. You got two Heisman contenders, maybe three, four, you know, just depending. There's there's so much talent in this showdown, right, Zach? I mean, it's incredible the amount of playmakers that will be seen on Sunday night in Orlando. It's going to be spectacular on both sides of the ball, too. I mean, I'm really excited to get a closer look at Jared Verse again, and I know he's the talk of the town for the most part. He's going to be a top pick in this next year's draft, so it's something exciting. But offensively, you're bringing in weapons all over from backfield, Weapons on the outside. I'm excited to see Johnny Wilson. I'm, I'm ready to get this thing going just because all the weapons on, on the field. Both teams have a lot in their arsenal. So we're, we're going to see how it goes. I'm, I'm super intrigued to see how both teams come out firing. And on the flip side of that, you know, Jared Verse had his kind of breakout game yeah. uh, in his performance last year. But Harold Perkins wasn't a guy that we saw make a huge impact. And then he became a big star for LSU throughout the season. Now going to make, you know, obviously um, a huge dent on Sunday night. And then with the transfer class that LSU has coming in as well, you know, the talent on both sides just stacked up and Jaden Daniels coming back. So many weapons on both sides that this one's going to make for a show. And kind of just like staying on the whole, you know, Jared Verse thing, he matched up with Will Campbell in Will Campbell's first ever college game. So it was kind of just like a it, Verse is so seasoned and, and polished and he's going up against a guy in his first first ever start at the college level and got the best of him. And I got the chance to talk to Will yesterday on Tuesday. And he was saying that that was his welcome to college moment, going up against somebody like Jared Verse. So, you know, now he's got a year under his belt and a freshman, like, All-America type guy. And he's a guy who can come into the season and be an All-SEC caliber off, offensive tackle. So that's a matchup that I'm circling, pinpointing, and just really waiting to see how it uh, pans out on Sunday. 100%. That was what I was looking at initially last year of seeing that matchup. And I just definitely thought at the beginning that Verse would have that extra edge on him, just like you said, because Will Campbell, that was going to be his first collegiate game. And that's kind of just unfair at that moment in time. And Verse took full advantage of it. Now I'm really interested to see that those two go at it on Sunday night off the side, you know, and Will Campbell, because as you saw him go throughout the season last year in Baton Rouge, he just continued to get better and better and had and was able to build some consistency. So I want to see him, but also you look at verse two, adding on some size, 10 more pounds of muscle, a guy that's been uh, talked about a ton by the coaching staff at Florida State of continuing to have to develop because he was still really raw coming into Tallahassee and coach JP, Florida State's uh, defensive end coach, was talking about, you know, there's a lot of things that they still needed to do with him. And, you know, Verse recognized that. And, you know, also the NIL helped a ton for him to make that comeback for another season where he was projected to be first, second rounder last year. Now he's projected to be a top 10 pick. And, you know, it's going to take him two 
putting stuff out onto the field and also showing some film to some NFL scouts. And it's going to start uh, once again, once we get down here in Orlando, but uh, I wanted to go, just go all the way back to that LSU FSU matchup, Zach, for you specifically, what do you think about that game? Because we didn't get to talk to you afterwards. We obviously previewed it here on this show, but what do you think about that matchup? Maybe some things that uh, LSU is going to see improvement on going into this matchup that they might've not had last year. First thing that jumps off the page is the offensive line. I mean, you look at somebody like Jaden Daniels running for his life in the backfield all game long, and it's in credit to somebody like Jared versus talent going up against a freshman and Will Campbell. But, you know, it, it's uh, that offensive line really hit its stride towards the back end of SEC play and, you know, in, into the end of the year as well. So if you're looking at one position group that really is showing tremendous amount, just a tremendous amount of improvement, it's going to be that offensive line because they kind of fluctuated. They went through like seven different starting rotations throughout the first couple of weeks, and, and there was really just nothing going in there. And now you bring back somebody like Will Campbell, who started as a true freshman, Emory Jones, who started as a true freshman. You bring back Garrett Dellinger, Charles Turner, uh, Miles Frazier. I mean, you're bringing back all five guys up front. So there's continuity that's formed. There's chemistry between the guys off the field. And when you get to talk to them, it's all they really harp about. And spoke to Jaden Daniels yesterday as well. And he said that if he's looking at one position group that's really hit their stride, it's that, it's that offensive line. He's not really needing to talk to them, need to tell them too much. It's kind of understood now once you're trying to do your checks and everything. So if I'm looking at one spot, it's that offensive line, and I think that's going to make all the difference in this matchup. It's, it's going to be a game in the trenches for sure. Speaking of that offensive line, it looks like five-star tackle Zalance Hurd's been getting some time running with the ones. Is there a chance he sees some time against Florida State? I, I'm so glad that you said that because he's looked like an absolute dog. I mean, Hurd, Hurd is somebody who came to campus, like you said, a five-star, and he came looking like an, like an SEC caliber player once he stepped foot on campus. And somebody that, you know, Brian Kelly was talking about how he wanted to see him develop once he got to campus. And he's really, really put on a ton of ton of size. He came on he came in campus over the summer uh, is basically what I'm trying to say. He wasn't an early enrollee. So he wanted to see how quickly he could adapt to the system. And he's he's really doing just that. And in our fall camp scrimmage, he took first team reps at right tackle, shifted Emory Jones, so the sophomore over to right guard. And it, it, it's looked great. I think you're going to see him get on the field, you know, with some first team reps, but I'm not quite sure he'll start. And. If he does, then here we go, because now you have your offensive line for the future suiting up right now in 2023. And that, and that matchup, too, with the offensive line from LSU going against Florida State's defensive line uh, is something that we'll be keeping a very close eye on, because right now, from what we're expecting, you know, Florida State on their side is bringing so much talent there and experience and bringing in some transfers to Daryl Jackson, not getting his waiver, the Miami transfer but Braden Fisk alone, you know, from Western Michigan, seems like he's going to be playing a pretty big impact in this game, being a projected starter here on the depth chart. Uh, a lot to like. I mean, Dustin, you see him at practice, and we saw him right off the bat whenever he arrived in Tallahassee, the size that he brings. But just to know, too, that, you know, LSU's offensive line improving there is big time for Jaden Daniels and keeping him healthy throughout that game. What have you seen from, from Jaden Daniels, maybe from last year to this year? You were able to see him in spring camp and fall camp. What have you seen from him? Um, you know, maybe uh, just different things, who he's connecting with a lot, building some chemistry with, and, and also, you know, working with that offensive line and improving there. Yeah, from a developmental standpoint, it's really, you know, his football IQ and pushing the ball vertically a little bit more. Last year he was running for his life and trying to make the hero ball play for, you know, the first half of the season. And it resulted in, in some really unfortunate plays for this team and, and really set them back at times, especially in that Florida State game. And now kind of fast forward to this season or this year, really, because we're about to obviously do the season opener. It's really kind of just been a thing where he's making the smart read, the smart pass. And 
doing more intermediate throws. It's not necessarily just short check downs or screens. And I think that's something that's going to allow this offense to open up in a, just a massive way. And when you're looking at who he's connecting with, it's Malik Neighbors. It's, it's going to be the Malik Neighbors show this year. He's a top five wide receiver in the 2024 NFL draft. And he played just like that during fall camp and spring camp as well. And you saw both those guys hit their stride in a big, big way towards the back end of fall camp. That's going to be a dynamic duo this season that I really can't wait to see how they pan out. I did want to ask because, you know, Malik Neighbors coming off that breakout campaign struggled a little bit against Florida State, especially, you know, did have those muff punts during the game that Florida State didn't end up converting on. But just how was he able to respond coming off a performance like that? Because it was a tough night. I think he responded in the best way that he could. He, he came together and strung together a thousand yard season as a sophomore. And, mm-hmm. you know, that was another thing where he kind of just woke up like that was a just devastating performance from somebody who had such high expectations. And, you know, you moved him around in the, in the backfield as a receiver. You, you moved him around for the most part. But it, it's 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 looking a lot better for him. He shined last season. and I think he's due for an even bigger breakout year this year. And it's almost hard to say he's going to have a breakout year when you had a guy who went for over a thousand yards receiving last season. But He's doing just that. I'm, I'm really excited to see how he pans out again. Zach, I want to ask you here, and we talked about it in the production meeting, but LSU is going to be without John Emery. Brian Kelly announced to the media. Uh, ran for 375 yards last season, six touchdowns. What kind of impact do you think that's going to make on the running back room, specifically going into this game? Yeah, so John Emery's been a guy who's, you know, struggled to get on the field his entire career. This will be his third consecutive season where he's missing the season opener. It's, it's been an academic struggle for him. And when, when you look at a loss perspective, it's not the biggest loss in the world. Like we were saying before, we have eight scholarship backs, you know, in the arsenal. And you're going to be without John Emery and Armani Goodwin in this contest. But staying just on John Emery, it's not the end of the world. He took second and third team reps for the most part. But all in all, you're going to see – kind of a three-headed monster between Logan Diggs, Josh Williams, and Noah Kane in this one. And not to have the depth of Emery is big time, but you have three extremely capable running backs that you're going to be utilizing in the biggest way on Sunday. How, how is through camp, though, how, how are, like, carries-wise, who's getting the most production there? I don't know if you can really go that route. I don't know how secretive it is for Brian Kelly, but, you know, who's mainly in that rotation there that Florida State fans should keep an eye on? No, I mean, that's a fantastic question because everybody was kind of wondering how they're going to divvy up the snaps this year just because you have eight scholarship running backs. And during camp, a lot of guys were banged up. Josh Williams was banged up. Logan Diggs was banged up. Armani Goodwin was banged up. So you didn't really get to see them do too much on the field. So it was really Noah Kane that was carrying much of the load. Penn State transfer. It's going to be a second year with the program. And he's a guy who, in my opinion, is going to take significant snaps this season. And obviously, Josh Williams and Logan Diggs are going to do that as well. But when it comes to Noah Kane, I think he's going to take a, a ton of reps as well. And that's somebody who took first team reps really through the last three weeks or really two weeks of camp. I think LSU probably knows what they have in Noah Kane and Josh Williams with them coming off that season last year where they combined for almost 950 yards and 16 touchdowns. And then you have Diggs transferring in from Notre Dame. He's got some experience playing under Brian Kelly in the past, you know, what have you, what have you thought about him? What kind of different flavor does he bring to that running back room compared to the other two guys? I think different flavors, just as well said as it could be. He's not a traditional back. He, you know, he can catch the ball out of the backfield, turn up field and twitchy, quick running back. He's somebody who can do a lot of different things for you. And I've been very impressed with the small sample size we had, because like I said, he didn't really practice too much. The final, let's say six, seven days of practice that we got to see, but from what we did get to see, it's been very impressive. And, I think very highly of Logan Diggs. I can't wait to see what he does for this team this season. And 
him and running backs coach Frank Wilson have worked side by side. So I expect him to take on a big role. As we know, LSU is going to be without uh, one of their star defensive players, and that's going to be Mason Smith. We saw him last year in New Orleans and uh, with just a just extremely unfortunate event there where he went down after a play and wasn't able to make an impact throughout the rest of the, uh, the game at all. He was not able to play, but now he comes in and you're you know hoping that you would get to see him and, you know, Florida state go at it with him. But then again, it gets suspended here. Who's going to be someone that's going to have to step up on the back end. Is this a major hit for LSU or is there someone else that maybe that we're not thinking of that could step up in this role and do what Mason could potentially bring to the table? I could take it two ways. Mason's been banged up for the most part during camp. He's been battling a sprained ankle. So Jacoby and Guillory's been filling in his spot running with the first team. Um, Mason doesn't have that many reps under his belt. He's only played in 10 games. He didn't really have the offseason too much this offseason as well. So, you know, Jacoby and Guillory's been the guy who's been running with that first team defensive line unit alongside Makai Wingo. So that's your guy who's going to fill in on Sunday. And it's a tremendous loss. I mean, there's really no way to go about it. He's one of the top defensive linemen in the country. He's a guy that NFL scouts were looking at in a big way. So, it's, it's a huge loss, and when you look at a secondary that's pretty shaky, you're banking on getting to the quarterback, so it's a big loss. <clears throat> There's a question in here uh, from Nick on Facebook, and interested to get your take on it as well. But he's saying, I think LSU isn't even considering banning the run. We'll see them making a point with it early on in the game. Um, you know, even with Emory being out and in this, do you think, what, what do you think is going to be the play style for Brian Kelly and Jaden Daniels on offense uh, throughout Sunday night? Are they going to try to maybe push on the ground for a little bit early on and go air? Or do you think it could be opposite uh, and, and start shooting right away? I think it's all about getting a balanced attack established early in the season, and it's going to start on Sunday. Try to divvy it up the best way you can there. Josh Williams proved himself last season, so it's going to be exciting to see him get some reps under his belt, but it's going to be all about a balanced attack. I don't think you're going to see too much of one thing, whether it's passing or rushing. I think this team's looking towards a balanced attack for the most part, and you're going to see that on Sunday night. Obviously, Florida State is going to be moving Jared Verse around a ton to try and create some success against that uh, more experienced offensive line. And then on the flip side for LSU, it seems like Harold Perkins is going to be continue to be the star of the show. Uh, what can you tell us about his rise last year and then where we should expect to see him lining up, which I assume is everywhere on Sunday night? Yeah, it was a meteoric rise for Harold Perkins last season. I mean, what he did on the field was just unheard of for a true freshman. And you can kind of look at it as one of the best true freshman seasons of all time for LSU. There's a handful of guys in that conversation, but what he did, you know, against Arkansas specifically is just completely unheard of. So when you're looking at where he's going to be lining up this season, defensive coordinator Matt House has been wanting him at that inside linebacker role in a big, big way. That's really what they're circling and pinpointing for him, but you're going to have to account for him on every single snap. You'll, you'll see him rush the passer as well. He'll, he'll be everywhere. He's as versatile of an athlete as there is, but they're really harping on him working at that inside linebacker role because that's where he's going to be at the next level as opposed to, you know, a pass rush specialist where he was kind of at last year. So it's going to be an inside linebacker role for him. And he'll also be, you know, working on the outside as well and getting to the quarterback. Cause you know, without Mason Smith, you have to kind of put an impact on Harold Perkins getting to the quarterback when you're down somebody of Smith's caliber. Yeah. And sleeves kind of giving us here, giving us the point here talking about which matchups are y'all most excited to watch. I think that will be one of the matchups. Jordan Travis versus Perkins. What can they do to contain Jordan 
Travis. Do you think specifically from you, do you think they're going to have him spine Jordan Travis throughout that game? Because we've heard from a lot of teams. We've had on a lot of um, writers and guys from podcasts come on here and talk about the defensive game plan against Jordan Travis. And some of it's sort of what worked, but not a whole ton. But Perkins, I think just a talent wise, watching him last year and watch his rise and continue to build experience. He's a special, special capable player of doing a lot of tasks, but you're going against, again, a Heisman candidate here with Jordan Travis, who we've known since the day one in Tallahassee. He can move his legs and he can move his feet, and Perkins Perkins is going to have a big test. But do you think that's specifically what you know the defense from LSU is going to try to do uh, when we get down to the Camping World Stadium? Yeah, I think you're going to be seeing Harold Perkins spy Jordan Travis as well as he can. And that second level of defense is, is really solid. You know, you brought in Oregon State transfer Omar Spates, and Spates is somebody that I think extremely high of. He was an all-conference guy in the Pac-12, and I, I'm really, I've really been impressed with what he's done at the second level alongside Perkins. So you'll see both of them kind of spy Jordan Travis a little bit, but that's going to be Harold Perkins' duty is to, you know, contain him, not necessarily keep him in the pocket, but, you know, try to limit his legs as much as he can because Jordan Travis is just so damn dynamic, man. He is, he is a true talent. I'd be lying if I said anything otherwise. That's a Heisman candidate, and it, it, I know it's a, I'm an LSU guy right here, but you got to give credit where it's due, and Jordan Travis is – He's that dude. So you're going to see Perkins spy him as best as he can and, you know, try to contain him. You can't stop him, but you're going to have to contain him as best you can. And that's a matchup that, you know, everybody's going to be circling and pinpointing come Sunday night. There's a ton of talent on both sides of this game. Florida State bringing back a top 10 offense, um, a ton of production back on defense and a really good transfer class as well. Looking at it from the LSU perspective, when you look at Florida State's offense or Florida State's defense, Maybe where's the biggest concern for the Tigers on Sunday night? Man, it's, 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 it's the LSU secondary, and it, it's, it's, it's a work in progress here. It's an all-fresh-faced unit. You brought in a bunch of transfers. Southeastern Louisiana transfer Zion Alexander is going to serve as your cornerback one. Syracuse transfer Deuce Chestnut will probably serve as your cornerback two unless they put Sage Ryan in at corner on the other boundary side. So it, it's a work in progress here. You have some explosive receivers in that Florida State arsenal, and you're going to see them try to push the ball downfield and test that secondary early because continuity is still forming right there. You know, they're, they're just not there yet. And they know that. And it, 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 I don't want to say it's the weakest link of the, of the team, but you know, it, it really is, is. It's been a struggle throughout camp so far. And once, once you get under the brightest of lights in camping world stadium, they're going to have to turn it up a notch or else Florida state's going to kill them, kill them through the air. So you're going to have to see that secondary shine. And it's really going to be a group of Zy Alexander, Deuce Chestnut or Sage Ryan. And then you could see kind of a three-safety set with Major Burns and Andre Sam potentially put Greg Brooks at the nickel right there. So we're going to see how it works out. It's going to be a very interesting scheme just because of the dynamic receivers that Florida State has. But that secondary is something that, you know, a lot of people are sitting there circling and just waiting to see how it pans out on Sunday. Yeah, we'll see Florida State, ton of weapons, Johnny Wilson, Keon Coleman, uh, some other guys in the cupboard as well. I guess on the flip side of that, where do you think LSU can take advantage of Florida State the most? I'd, I'd really love to say through the air for the most part, just because the dynamic weapons that we have. But that, that that's it, like I said, it's going to have to be a balanced attack. I don't think you can sit there and pinpoint one spot that they can take advantage of. You're going to have to hit them where it hurts in every spot, whether it's utilizing your offensive line and, you know, using your run game as best you can because there's so many bodies that you can rely on. Like I was saying, Noah Kane, Logan Diggs, Josh Williams, you're not really going to get tired at the running back position. So if you can utilize your run game as best you can and not become so reliable on Jaden Daniels and Malik Neighbors, I think that'll open up the game in the biggest way. But 
you can't just pinpoint one spot on this team because Florida State's just so dynamic on defense as well. There's a question here on YouTube from Fred asked about Jaden Daniels saying that he threw the ball under 10 yards almost 50% of the time last year, which is third in the country. Is that a result of Daniels' ability or by design from the offensive coordinator? Will that continue this year? What are your thoughts on that, Zach? It's a fantastic question, and no, it wasn't really by design. I think it just had to do with Jaden Daniels not necessarily trusting his arm yet, not really having time for plays to develop because the offensive line struggled so much. He, I've said it a bunch of times now, and I'll say it again. He was running for his life. And now, you know, you have an established offensive line. He's not running for his life. He can sit in the pocket a little bit longer, allow plays to develop, and in turn utilize that intermediate and deep ball that he's been working on so much this offseason. So, you know, to get to that second part of the question, will it continue this year? No. I, I think it's a point of emphasis to work that intermediate and deep ball, and I think you're going to see that on Sunday if, you know, the offensive line can continue taking strides in the right direction to give him time for plays to develop. I'm just going to ask just generically health-wise. I know that y'all aren't as like hands-on during practices during game weeks like we were talking about in the production meeting, but you've been able to go through spring, also fall camp. Health-wise, what are we looking like for LSU coming in Sunday night? Look, man, you can't really complain in that aspect just because uh, we they've been healthy. Um, You're, you're not going to have running back John Emery, of course, but it's not really a health concern. We're, we're going to see what comes to light with that situation, but – the other running back that's out is going to be Armani Goodwin. Obviously, Mason Smith's not going to be eligible for the game. And those are those are your guys that aren't really going to be available come Sunday night. But, you know, you're, you're pretty much going to be healthy. And it's 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 been they've been very fortunate in that regard. With the way this game went down last year, I think we've got to talk about special teams a little bit. How's the kicking unit looking looking so far? Um, does Malik Neighbors still return punts or how's that situation going? Uh, just your overall thoughts from watching them operate through the preseason, because I have to imagine, you know, it's a huge focus after last year. Yeah, fantastic question. And that's been a point of emphasis since the spring. Um, I'm going to kind of start off with the return game. Struggle last season, man. That was brutal to watch. Just <laughs> muff after muff after muff. I think we were talking in, the, in a press conference the other day. I think we only had like 53, 58 return yards total on the season or something. So, I mean, just – Dia- just, just diabolical how horrible it was in that regard. So fast forward to this season, you brought in Alabama transfer Aaron Anderson. Um, he is going to be your primary return specialist as a punt returner and on kick returns. And he's fantastic. And he was a, he was phenomenal in high school out of Edna Carr in New Orleans. And he's somebody who's going to, he's a game changer. Uh, Aaron Anderson is a game changer to get him from Bama and bring him back to his home state of Louisiana was a tremendous get for Brian Kelly. And he's going to be an explosive return man. He's, whether it's return, uh, kick return or punt return, he's going to be fantastic. And another guy that they're looking to see take on a major role is freshman running back Caleb Jackson. Remember that name, man. Mm-hmm. Caleb Jackson is a dude. I, I really think highly of him. I think he's going to be a superstar in the future, and he's going to be kind of the off-ball return man this season. But look for him to be a, a huge piece to this, this special teams unit moving forward. And then your other part of the question was the kicking game. And Damian Ramos is going to be your starting kicker. And you know, he's improved. He's taken strides in the right direction. We talked to him last week, and he's confident, composed, and I think he's ready to, you know, turn the page and, you know, get ready for the season and take a stride in the right direction. It's only preseason rankings, but yeah. I always wonder, too, coming on to, you know, the the opposing reporter, do you think LSU is worthy of that number five ranking, or would you rather have seen them kind of grow into that ranking in 2023, or do you think there's a ton of pressure on, on Brian Kelly going into a second season? With that Again, ranking? I mean, I, I don't know how many times I have to say it. Another fantastic question, dude. Like, 
it, last season they didn't really have any pressure because they were the underdog. They they weren't they were the underdog. There there was mm-hmm. there was nobody really on them expecting you know these high expectations, and you know they they shined because of that. You know they took advantage of you know being the underdog for the most part. And now fast forward to this season, you're a top five team, and you know it's kind of like a college football playoff or bust mentality for a lot of people. I wouldn't say that's necessarily my opinion, but you know you're expected to take that next step this season, and pressure's a good thing, and it, it's something that I think this team's going to thrive with, and talked to Will Campbell and Jane Daniels yesterday, and they're not really looking at it as, you know, pressure. They're just looking at going 1-0 each week, taking a game in and game out. But um, it's it's very exciting to see them top five. And I, I think they have the weapons that they got via the transfer portal, returning talent offensively. It's, it, it's a deserving spot for them. I really hope that they can continue, you know, going on this positive trajectory because, you know, they're just hitting their stride. I'm, I'm really excited to see how this offense does this year. I don't think we really talked about it as much, but FSU, LSU could see each other in the postseason. You know, if these teams are able to give a good show for us on Sunday night, close game, and then do what they need to do in their conference and get through their conference finals, then there could be a potential rematch uh, in this postseason, which would be super fun. And obviously us would be able to preview another game here, number three between us as a crew. But uh, that's the potential that both teams have at this moment, the way that LSU was able to finish off the season. And I think, too, uh, the rankings where they're at, you know, I think FSU on their side is also not used to this pressure. They're used to it on the opposite side of things. So I think that's something that's going to be a test for Florida State. But having leadership there and having your uh, quarterback come back, your starting running back, a lot of leaders on defense as well. Uh, and obviously having your coaching staff come back along with Mike Norvell, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, accountability and a lot of that has helped a ton in that locker room specifically to maybe build some maturity and, and you know, limit mistakes a ton. And that's going to help a ton for both programs going through this 2023 year. And uh, there's just a lot of pressure on both squads going into this game. And it's funny that it's just going to be a prime time only game on for the night, Labor Day weekend. You know, that's just kind of how at least Florida State fans are used to at this point. Yeah, and that's just kind of how the cookie's crumbling this year. And it's it, it's going to be an exciting thing just because we were talking to Jaden and them yesterday, and it's, it's not necessarily a revenge game for them. And they're not going to come out and say that, but this is just about as big as it gets for both programs just because no matter how the first week goes, there's a chance to run the table for both programs. You know, Florida State has the chance to go out and win the ACC. LSU has a chance to win the SEC. There's, there's a chance for them to meet in the postseason, like you were saying, if they play their cards right and, this is kind of just like the, the appetizer of the season. There's a chance for this to get even more special, you know, come January, that late December mark. So it, it's going to get very intriguing for the most part with both these programs that have just so much upside. I don't want to keep you on here for too long, but I've only got two questions left. The last one being uh, your score prediction. But what do you think are the keys to LSU and Tigers coming down here not getting the win in New Orleans. That was kind of, I guess, your home crowd. But, you know, yeah. Florida State also showed up. The fan base did a great job over there. But expecting for LSU to travel nicely over down to Orlando as well this season. But what do you think the keys are for LSU, Jaden Daniels, to start off 1-0 and and try to beat the Florida State Seminoles Sunday night? Yeah, if I, if I could pick three of them, it's, it's winning the trenches. It, you, you have to contain Jared Verse. Like I said about Jordan Travis, you will not be able to stop Jared Verse. You just have to contain him as best you can. And if, if you can see Will Campbell can hold that matchup, hold his own right there, I think, you know, winning that side of the ball is going to be just just a huge, huge spot for this team. If Will Campbell has to contain Jared Verse, you have to win in the trenches. Or, you know, it's going to be another tough task like it was last season with Jaden Daniels, you know, 
being really hasty in his decisions and not quite getting through all of his reads. So that that's one. It, it, it's going to be win the trenches. And then second one is going to be, can Jaden Daniels, you know, you utilize the intermediate ball? Can, can he continue to take advances and take strides in the right direction and utilize Malik Neighbors' skill set? Because the receivers that you have, you're going to see Malik Neighbors, Brian Thomas Jr., and Kyron Lacey as your three starting guys. So utilize your weapons as best you can right there because they're, they're more than capable of holding it down if you need them to. So push the ball downfield with Jaden Daniels, utilize the intermediate passes. And then my third one would be, can the secondary contain the wide receivers that Florida State has? You know, you, you have to – you have to slow down Johnny Wilson. You have to slow down the guys that they have. I'm a big fan of Keon Coleman. I didn't really get to ask you guys too much about Keon, but I know that he's a severe talent. I'd love to get you guys' thoughts on him. But, you know, you have to stop those receivers that they have. And it's going to start in the secondary. This is the first big test. So, you know, win in the trenches, see Jane Daniels push the ball downfield a little bit more, and then dominate in the secondary as best you can because it's a tough task for week one. But those are the three things that I'm kind of circling on Sunday. Keon Coleman is definitely a freak. Uh, looks like your prototypical NFL wide receiver out there. You know, six foot four, two hundred fifteen pounds, um, very athletic, very built out. You know, a guy you can tell he's been in college for three years. But what's really impressed me about him is he's coming to Florida State and he's willing to to listen. You know, whenever there's a play that goes wrong or a miscommunication, you'll see him and Jordan Travis and Johnny Wilson all kind of like getting around with each other and talking about it. He'll go over and have conversations with Norvell about the timing of certain plays or routes. So it's been very impressive to see uh, the mental aspect of his game as much as the physical freak that he is on the field. But I'll give you one more before Logan gets to the score prediction. You know, we've talked about the stars for LSU, Jaden Daniels, uh, Malik Neighbors, Harold Perkins. Who's a guy that maybe we haven't talked about yet or someone who's flying under the radar that needs to have a big performance on Sunday night to help LSU if they want to win this one? It's a guy who kind of served as your starting running back last season once Armani Goodwin went down with an injury, but it's, it's going to be Josh Williams, and you'll see him take significant snaps. You know, he, he's going to probably be your starting running back. If not the starter, we'll take, you know, big-time snaps. You need to see him pick up blitzes. You need to see him be more than, you know, a power back. You need to see him be able to read the defense, be smart, utilize his IQ, because he's as smart of a running back as there is in the country, and he's a guy who went from walk-on to scholarship. He's he's kind of had, your you know, your your Cinderella story right there, so – you know, he came back for a fifth year, and I, I think in order for this team to take that next step against Florida State this year, it's just, he's going to have to play as best as he can, and he's going to have to be able to pick up the defense and pick up a couple blocks and move from there. So offensively, that's what I'm looking at. And then on defense, it's Omar Spates, uh, the linebacker that's going to be alongside Harold Perkins. He has to shine. Um, he's an older guy. You know, he's a senior, and he's going to have to play like that. He's been a leader in the locker room. So in order for this team, you know, kind of, get to that next level and get over the hump and beat Florida state this year on offense. You need Josh Williams to be able to pick up defense, pick up blocks and do what he can on that end. And then on defense, you need Omar space to shine and be the leader that this defense needs. Cause a lot of fresh faces and he's going to have to keep them composed in such a game with big bright lights. So Omar space is going to have to ball out on Sunday. I'll tell you that much, dude. Hey man, I'm, I'm looking forward to meeting up with you. I mean, y'all do a great job at LSU country too, as well. Y'all kill it over there and uh, for our network with fan nation and sports illustrated. So looking forward to seeing you this upcoming weekend, but before you leave though, we've got to get a score prediction. I think you last year, along with Dustin Austin, all three of y'all predicted Florida state to lose this game to LSU. I'm interested to see what you've got this time uh, for this big time matchup that uh, is big time ACC versus SEC. It seems like maybe in a couple of years, this will be an SEC versus SEC team matchup. But for right now, it's different conferences. What are we thinking 
for Sunday evening. Look, like we were talking about in a little production meeting, I know that the uh, the comments in the chat's not going to like me again this time around, and I'm fine with that. But I think LSU is going to get over the hump this season. You return so much offensive production. Um, I, I'm really hoping they can hit their stride in that regard. And on defense, it's going to be all about you know gaining continuity and using this as not necessarily a learning experience, but using it to get together because you're, you that that's going to be your weaker link is your your secondary and and no Mason Smith. It's it's going to be a tough task for this defense against such a firepowered offense, but Get to the point, score prediction. I probably want to. I'd want to go with LSU 34-27, and it's going to be a battle. You know, it's it's going to be a really really tough contest. I I want to hope that LSU can get over the hump, and I feel very confident in Jaden Daniels' abilities, what Harold Perkins can do on defense, the depth that you have on offense. I feel very strong about what this offense can provide on Sunday against Florida State's defense. But looking at the other side of the ball, it's going to be what can this defense do? Can Zay Alexander hold it down as your cornerback one? Can your guys at safety, you know, continue to maintain and get better? It's it's going to be a work in progress in the secondary, but all in all, I'm going to have to say I hope I, I believe that LSU can get over the hump and win this 34-27. Okay, okay, I like it. I like it. We'll see. We'll be up there in the press box together, so we'll see each other post game, nonetheless. Maybe, maybe, maybe we'll do a little instant reaction from both parties. That would actually be a pretty good pod to do afterwards. Um, but yeah, man, yeah, safe travels down to. Orlando also to all the LSU fans as well they were great whenever we were there last year so wishing the best for them once they get down here into Florida Um, luckily hurricanes long gone might have some cooler weather who knows but uh, should be a fun one between both fan bases and Camping World Stadium and uh, we'll see you just in only a few days and appreciate you hopping on here for 30 plus minutes giving us a great rundown of what was going on in camp in Baton Rouge rundown on the team inside scoop and everything so appreciate it always Zach course man i appreciate it you guys kill it over at no game day so anytime you guys need me i'm always available appreciate you guys and y'all stay safe getting over to orlando we'll see you on sunday night man thanks again sweet deal so zach from lsu country join us from sports illustrated's fan nation network our friends over there they do a fantastic job uh looking forward to seeing him in the press box looking forward to seeing you d lou maybe vz potentially Hopefully, not, maybe not looking like it. I'll, I'll be around. I don't, I don't yeah. won't be in the press box, but I'll be around. Maybe some tailgates. Maybe some tailgates. Who knows? Sometimes running in. Some, yeah, sometimes run into just, some just trouble. Just smuggle me in your backpack. We'll be fine. They're not listening to the show, right? We can just make like a fake credential or something. Sneak <laughs> in. Yeah, we get an e- we'll get an email about a couple hours from now. Yeah. Uh, uh, please, we heard what happened on here. The spear, no game day. Uh, we're gonna rip away <laughs> one credential from you. No, so, but I'll be around. Right, Tommy. I'll be saying hi to people. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. But uh, yeah, Zach, great stuff as always. Predicting LSU to win, though, he's going. He's going to hold on to it like last year. We'll see if it happens again. We'll see what we predict. Even though we did have our season preview last week, is everybody going to hold on to uh, FSU winning this one? We'll see. We'll see. We got a little nervous afterwards. We all talked to each other in the production meeting after Florida State twelve and zero season. We predicted from all mm-hmm. of us. We kind of just sat there and looked at each other like what the hell is wrong with us i i even uh, changed my mind the, we, we, we did a staff season prediction and i'm like i know what i said on the podcast but i, I have to just say 11 and 1 i don't know who the loss is going to be to but already, he already flipped he wow already flipped. i'm sorry i just i did I, I felt bad after the podcast i can't lie man you i want to say another <laughs> word but i can't say it but you sissied out you sissied out okay i did we had that show on Wednesday, and by Sunday, he had already flipped to one loss. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. 
Well, all right. Well, we ride. We ride, man. We ride together, Dustin. Don't don't leave out on me. I mean, it's published now, so no no going back. I'm sticking uh, with it. No joke. But speaking of published, guys, let's get into this depth chart that got released. Uh, and there's definitely some notable things. I'm going to put it here on the screen so all of our listeners can see. But maybe a few kind of surprises here and there. I know to you, Dustin, it isn't going to surprise much at all. But for guys – I did that, have one that oh. surprised me. Okay, okay. Well, let's bring it up here. And you let us know what surprised you the most out of this. But uh, I think for one of them, I mean, it's no joke here, but obviously, Destin Hill. Like, what are we doing here? Destin Hill as being someone that hasn't played football in over two years is now as listed as a co-starter at his position at the slot right behind or right next to Winston Wright. And what's funny is that's less a surprise to me than Robert Scott being listed as the sole starter at oh, left yeah. tackle. But we'll get into that uh, after this. But, man, Destin Hill, we've talked about him throughout the preseason. Coming in two years removed from high school football, really had no clue what to expect whenever he finally enrolled at Florida State in June. You know, I, I came on the show and was like, let's just temper our expectations here, let the kid get back into the swing of things. Well, looks like he never really missed a beat during this whole process. I mean, he's just jumped right into the mix and been making plays for Florida State, especially as camp has just continued to roll on and he's just gotten more into the offense, more continuity with the quarterbacks. I mean, it's really a daily thing where you've got Destin Hill going out there and making at least one big play at practice. Then on the flip side of that, Winston Wright listed as a co-starter with Destin Hill, another guy who we've talked about at length throughout the last couple of weeks, but I mean, man, he's really come on strong lately. You're starting to see Winston Wright string together these really promising practices um, out there, taking hits, bouncing up, making some deep plays down the field. Uh, it was really me watching a kickoff drill at one point where he caught one and just exploded the open field. And I was like, okay, that's kind of the Winston Wright that we saw on film at, at West Virginia. And then he started doing it more and more consistently. And now, again, you know, Winston Wright, someone where you can expect probably at least one big catch of practice downfield whether it's in one-on-one seven-on-seven team so him and Destin have both come come along strong and you know I feel kind of comfortable with what Florida State's going on in that slot position we actually got to hear from Winston Wright you know he's really excited to make that debut on Sunday night against LSU has been waiting for this moment for a long time no longer sporting the sleeve on that uh, previously injured leg and I think he's feeling as good as he's felt since he arrived in Tallahassee man I love seeing Destin Hill as a starter Three months ago, none of us even thought he existed, and here he is about to start game one against LSU in Orlando. It, it's awesome. I hope he gets the first score, just him being from the state of Louisiana. In his first game, he's playing LSU. It's just that storybook moment of him being the first one to score. I think that'd be pretty cool. Netflix. Netflix, they would already have the film ready. They'd be ready to go. They're licking their chops ready to get this one going in production if he were able to score while in Orlando against LSU, hometown team. It would be ridiculous. I, I think, too, just going to Winston Wright as well, uh, you know, Dustin, you and I have been harping on this for since he has arrived. He just hasn't looked like he's capable of playing in a college football game. He really hasn't. And just to hear the signs from you, Dustin, and also having that sleeve off. And if he's still got – if he's getting that burst, Dustin, I think it's going to take about three to four games for him to get fully back in that – like mm. that, that, that West Virginia film like you were talking about. But to have Winston Wright – 
on the field, it just kind of stretches your your field up again. And we need to note, mention this too. Mike Norvell announcing that Ja'Kai Douglas is not going to be available for the first portion of the season. That's a big play uh, player here and, and that slot position. So someone's got to step up here, and it seems like Destin Hill, a true freshman who hasn't played football in two and a half years, is coming in. And it just goes to show the determination, the focus, the mindset. Extreme, extreme, it just shows me maturity, man. It shows me maturity from a young young man and it's really impressive and it goes to show too what ron dugans has been able to do in that wide receiver room always shout out to the donk baby i was initially slightly concerned with that slot uh slot receiver position yep. you know once shakai suffered that injury but i mean man those guys really stepped up in his absence and uh you know as much talent as florida state has on the outside they're going to have some capable playmakers in the slot as well and i mean that doesn't even count with what we're going to see from the tight ends and the running backs in the receiving game so the, the playmakers are still there, even though Ja'Kai Douglas is going to be out for a couple games. You know, this is something that Florida State actually dealt with last year. Ja'Kai went down in the preseason, um, didn't come back until the sixth or seventh game of the year. He made his debut and actually scored a touchdown against um, – it was Georgia Tech in that game for Florida State. So this is something they dealt with before. I actually think that they've got to be more comfortable with what they have in the slot going into this 2023 season than last year when Ja'Kai was injured. You know, too, yeah. I'm looking at – sorry, go ahead, VZ. So we were, we were concerned about the slot at the end of last season because you're losing Pokey Wilson, who, if you go back to that LSU game last year, he just made so many great plays. Obviously, some of those on the outside, but they didn't really have that smaller deep threat guy. We didn't know how that, how that was going to shake out. Winston Wright's finally healthy. Dustin Hill's in the picture now. And even, like I said, even with Ja'Kai out, you have to feel comfortable there. And I'm looking specifically to this matchup this upcoming weekend. LSU does not have game film in Florida State system on offense on a lot of guys for Florida State. Destin Hill, Winston Wright, Keon Coleman, Kyle Morlock, Jaheim Bell. Who else am I missing? I mean, some of your offensive linemen, linemen. But your playmakers specifically. That, you don't have any old? film. You have yeah. no you have no fucking film to work off of. You really don't. Sorry for the cussing, but you have no it's crazy. You have no film to work off of. What are you working off of? I mean, Jordan Travis, Trey Benson, Johnny Wilson, three players. What, what, what else are you working with? Toa Philly, Tron. Few yeah. games of Tron last year. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy the offense that, if, if, if you know, if it's in tune, of course, you got to hope that, you know, it just depends on how they were going through practices and such. But if it's in, if it's in tune, uh, that's, that's trouble. That's trouble for LSU's defense. But, yeah, th those stood out. And also seeing Hakeem, too, on uh, being one of these depth guys is big. A guy that kind of had a slower start in the spring, seemed to be coming along during fall camp, D-Lou, correct? Correct. Uh, especially the last, you know, 10 or so practices have really been his best uh, days at Florida State so far. Uh, like you said, struggled at times in the spring with his conditioning, uh, has really gotten over that through since preseason camp began lost 10 pounds uh going into it and has continued to work his way into shape and you're slowly starting to see him hone in on the nuances of Florida State's offense and route running and you know being a blocker in the running game this wasn't something that he had to deal with a lot um at the prep level and now you know really just getting into it and you're still seeing that five-star potential that athleticism continues to uh pop up during Florida State's practices. So, yeah, it's it's a big sign for him to uh, make that debut depth chart, and I'm not going to be surprised if we see him get some snaps on Sunday night. 
Here's your starting offensive line left tackle, Robert Scott Jr. You got Casey Roddick from Colorado coming in. Uh, shout out to Prime. Maybe we'll need to talk about his comments that he made uh, yesterday. But uh, Casey Roddick, yeah, left guard. I mean, here the spear lum, you know, we didn't mention, you know, all these things that Prime likes to say off to the side. But yeah, Casey Roddick, left guard, center, Marie Smith. Well-seasoned veteran there at the, the center position. Then Demetri Emanuel or Darius Washington here at right guard and then right tackle. Uh, Jeremiah Byers, Bless Harris. You know, having Bless Harris back, too, is huge. I thought that he looked pretty good just seeing him in that first day of camp, just looked the part, just how we had saw him whenever he first arrived in Tallahassee before that injury, Dustin. Got to feel good about this offensive line. So much experience, so much depth. If there are guys that are forced to miss time with injuries, like I said, I was a little surprised that Robert Scott got the sole start at left tackle just because, as you mentioned, Bless Harris, I mean, performed extremely well, not only in preseason camp, but especially um, in the spring as well, whenever he was initially coming back from that season-ending injury in 2022. And, I mean, he's just, he's just continued to make strides. You know, I'm not no expert analysis or a coach, obviously, but no. in my opinion, him and uh, Jeremiah Byers have probably been Florida State's two most consistent offensive linemen throughout the preseason. We'll see which one of those guys gets to start on the right side. But at the same time, you know, whoever doesn't get the start, you're going to have a swing tackle in the fold. And we heard Alex Atkins speak after Florida State's second scrimmage. Uh, he said this is a unique situation where the Seminoles have more than five starters and I definitely think when you look at it, this is exactly the type of scenario that he's talking about. Despite the starting five, you're still going to have some guys working in and, and getting reps. Yeah, we've been talking about the, the depth of this offensive line for most of this offseason. I was I was honestly surprised we didn't see Bless Harris like, lock down one of these tackle spots on the depth chart. I get they're trying to play some games, but you also have to factor in Robert Scott's injury history that you know even if he goes down, you've got, like you mentioned, one of the, probably the best swing tackle in college football who – ever comes off the bench mm -hmm. yeah and it's big time you feel confident there with what alex atkins and his unit's going to be bringing going into the season and specifically week one uh defensively here nothing too crazy much stands out at least i mean depth wise there's maybe a few guys that you see some youngsters jumping in here getting some potential uh, playing time like Adam Fuller was talking about. He wasn't lying after a couple of these scrimmages. He said that he's going to expect some of these youngsters to make an impact this upcoming season. But I'm looking at, I'm looking at the trenches, baby. I'm looking right in the middle, and I love it. I'm loving, loving what I'm seeing. I love seeing Braden Fisk right in there. People keep on forgetting too about Dennis Briggs. We're going to see a lot of Dennis Briggs on Sunday night as well. Daniel Lyons taking that next step too. He made a huge stride last year and saw PT. But he, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about that redshirt freshman and then Fabo. Seems like Fabo's clicking. We're expecting to see Fabo on Sunday night, correct, D. Lou? He looked uh, pretty good at practice on Tuesday, probably his best day uh, so far this fall. And mm. Mike Norvell had some really good things to say after him, said that last week was really the first time that he's been back getting physical contact throughout the fall. It's been a lot of time going through conditioning, but, you know, feels like he's in pretty good shape. Thought he has uh, looked pretty well as of late and you know Fabian Lovett seems primed to make an impact on Sunday night just crazy to think though you can do that or Joshua Farmer who I think we kind of know what you're going to get out of Joshua Farmer and big or, season ahead for him too or Malcolm Ray I mean I, I don't know. think any of those six guys you see at defensive tackle in the two deep I don't think anyone would have blinked their eyes if they were necessarily the starter but I mean, man, just to have Fabian Lovett and Braden Fisk at the top, two real veterans, and then we've seen the strides Joshua Farmer has continued to make, 
you know what you get out of Dennis Briggs, who's been really consistent over the years at Florida State. Daniel Lyons uh, developing slowly. And then Malcolm Ray, you know, a reliable veteran. Um, no matter who's out there at, at what situation on Sunday night, as far as the interior, I mean, Florida State, they've got to feel really comfortable. You know, we thought going into last year that they were deep inside. This is an actual deep defensive line. It's insane. I, th- th- this depth is outrageous. You know, the fact that, honestly, that Dennis Briggs wasn't even listed as an or kind of surprised me. I figured he might have gotten the or over Joshua Farmer, but it's insane how talented this entire defensive line is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Odell Higgins has got himself a squad going into this season, and barring any kind of injuries, uh, I'm just stoked to see Braden Fisk this upcoming weekend. I'm fiending for him, licking my chops over here. I, I think it's all started off of whenever Jared Verse talked about Fisk once he first arrived and said that he brings that same type of nasty energy, and that's what you need on a defense. And so having that matchup, and you look to your right side, and you've got Jared Verse on the other side, it's just like, you know, come on now. And also what – Braden Fisk also can bring to your defense. You put him on the outside if you need to in some uh, schemes. I, I'm, I'm super excited to see him out on the field and see what he's going to look like uh, being a full go against the Tigers. Uh, if anything else kind of stand out to you guys, I, I see some youngster Blake Nicholson yep. being an oar in there. Omar Graham's going to play an impact this upcoming season as well. Big time, big time, big time camp from DJ Lundy, who I think deserves it all and also put on size, uh, you know, I, that's kind of what stands out to me the most. There's definitely some younger guys like Conrad Hussey, KJ Kirkland there at the free safety position that can come in when need be. And they've had a nice camp. It seems like uh, Quindarius Jones, who Dustin, that's, you and I have been high on for yeah, that's quite right. a while. To talk about. Go ahead. Yeah. Those, those youngsters back there. Yeah. All the young guys on this defensive two deep, but Quindarius Jones earning the primary backup job to Renardo green at one of those cornerback spots on a position in the defensive backfield where, You've got a plethora of guys who can contribute at outside corner, whether it's Fentrell who did who's starting on the opposite side or AZ, Jerry and Jones even can play on that outside. I mean, Florida State's got a lot of depth there. So to me, it says a ton that Quindarius with what he's done since arriving at Florida State in the spring and just continuing that into the preseason where we're seeing him grow extremely comfortable. And I mean, he looks like he's been at Florida State for a couple of years and you know we'll go back we've talked about Quindarius Jones at length before to state his only public offer coming out of high school and you know we were wondering at one point you know why was FSU his only offer uh this looks like a really good scouting job for Florida State with what he's done early in his career and you know we're going to see if he can parlay that into success on game days as well but that one's huge and then you look at the safety room Conrad Hussey has been really good for Florida State he's definitely going to get in there KJ Kirkland has been consistent since coming in the spring. You've also got Edwin Joseph in there uh, in the two deep at nickel. You know, you mentioned Blake Nicholson. So much talent uh, across this Tribe 23 class coming in. Ashlyn Barker, the primary backup to uh, Shaheem Brown at the Buck safety spot. So to see this many freshmen make the two deep on hmm. a team that's hoping to, you know, compete for an ACC title and to compete for a potential playoff berth, um, it says a lot about how good those guys are going to be. Yeah, you took away everything I was needing to say, but definitely got to show some love to Edwin Joseph getting on the 2D. Technically, he's the third option there, but whatever. Uh, got to show some love for him getting there as a true freshman in the nickel. That's not easy to do. Mm-mm. No, it goes to show, too, first uh, year, 
first year coach, Coach Sertan, what he's been able to do developmental wise and getting these guys on film, getting them dialed in and studying it. Just they put themselves in position since day one in fall camp. Then you go back to in the spring. I thought a lot of those guys were shining quite a bit. And, you know, that just goes to show the consistency there. And, you know, Florida State brought in the right coach for that position group. And I'm just more excited to see that on an actual game. I'm, I'm not at the point now where everything I'm just ready to see on Sunday night. That's how it is every year. But like now I'm like dripping with sweat. I'm waking up. I'm like dripping. I'm oozing out of my mouth. Like I'm just ready for like this matchup to happen because I, I think two both teams are excited. LSU wants revenge and everything. But, you know, Florida State on, on the other end, man, they've kind of just reloaded and are kind of looking past – not looking past this. There's definitely – this. they've got to get this win. But there's there's a bigger, way more massive goal in mind. And, you know, I, I just like what the staff has been able to do, both offensively, defensively, and just to see some of these youngsters develop early is such a huge sign for 2024 and beyond, honestly. And I don't know if there's a spot on this roster where if you compare this depth chart to the first depth chart we saw from Florida State last year, I don't know if there's any spot on this roster that's weaker than the 2022 roster, except maybe that buck safety position with Jamie Robinson instead of Shaheem do the experience. But at the same time, Shaheem has so much more potential with his athleticism and with more snaps this season, he might be able to reach that. We've seen it during the preseason. I mean, he's made a really impressive leap during practice, but can he carry that into game day? Other than that, I mean, Florida State vastly improved and vastly proven at basically every position. Mm -hmm. Uh, I want to note one last thing, though, before we move on. But uh, Ryan Fitzgerald winning Mm -hmm. that kicking job there. Uh, Dustin, you had been covering it all throughout camp and, and keeping a close eye on it, but uh, it seemed like both players were uh, going at it for a while, and you know Fitzgerald was able to build more consistency throughout camp. But you know, could this be a thing though, where you know if Fitzgerald loses that consistency in games where you need him the most, you know, could we see Tyler Keltner, former Childs alum there, and Tallahassee come in and potentially, uh, you know? Be, be a change there at the kicker spot oh for sure I, I think Florida State you know they're getting to continue to monitor that battle throughout the season it was very close um during fall camp I really think it came down to Ryan Fitzgerald made a couple more kicks and I mean just a few not this was an extremely close battle both wow. guys were very accurate throughout camp I think there was maybe three or four practices um, around that UNF stretch where there was a little bit of a concern, but other than that, there's been some real consistency from these guys. I think Florida State should feel comfortable, you know, kicking anything up to 45 yards. And from there, you're probably deciding, all right, do we want our top 10 offense just to go for it on fourth down, depending on where you're sitting at, but you got to be happy with those guys. And I think with Ryan Fitzgerald, you know, another part of this equation is, uh, you know, he was your starting kicker last year had some struggles during the beginning of the 2022 season, but kind of turned it around in the back end, had that game-winning kick against Oklahoma. And, you know, I think Florida State, they saw what they need to see during the preseason to continue riding it out with him. But, you know, it's just like if you go away from Ryan Fitzgerald, I'm not sure that you can ever go back to him. So Florida State, they want to be really, really sure before they do make a change at kicker. Right now, I don't see that being an issue with how he performed during the preseason. Two. Also, returnees, this is a big one, too, as well, which I'm excited for. I'm excited for this. Uh, Trey Benson last year was back there, a kick return, but we'll see how much they want to use him PT-wise there. You don't want to risk your your starting running back. 
uh, as much. So right now you've got Deuce Span, who has been an athletic freak. I think a lot of FSU fans have been wanting to see more out of him. I think he's going to hold down to a starting spot for a majority throughout the season. I want to see from, more from him. And then also Winston Ryan Jr. here listed on the 2D, but then also Kazai Holmes, another you know player that's not going to be on LSU's film, but he's going to be returning kicks. Who's in the back? Who, who, who's, who's his backup? And it's going to be Destin Hill. It's going to be Destin Hill. Uh, you know, two newcomers here at the kick return position. And then at pun return, something that was kind of a little bit of a shocker to us a little bit. Weren't expecting this uh, at all, I don't think. I don't think we were ever expecting this, uh, Dustin. And even, you know, VZ, Keon Coleman being your starting punt return after losing Micah Pittman. He's off to Utah now. You, Micah Pittman brought a lot of reliability there. That's something Mike, uh, Mike really, really presses on his reliability and coming down with the ball and not muffing it. And then Lawrence Toffili is going to be your backup to Keon. But thoughts on the, on the on the special teams? A lot of uh, a lot of excitement. I love seeing Deuce Span there. It goes back to what we talked about a couple of weeks ago when he took that end around to the house for for a long gain. You got to find a way to get Span the ball in his hands because while he's developing as a receiver, he's too good of an athlete to not have the ball. This is the perfect way to do it. Give him the ball on kickoffs. Let him let him get loose. Let him find a stride. Really. Yeah. And it, it gives them some confidence, too, honestly. Just get them on the field a little bit. Mm-hmm. Let Deuce get loose. I really like that one. And then also having Trey Benson, who was able to return a kickoff for a touchdown last year. Kaizea's looked pretty reliable during preseason camp for Florida State. The one that you got to really pay attention to on Sunday night, in my opinion, is uh, punt return. You know, really high-risk, high-reward decision here for Florida State. Micah Pittman moving on. No players on the roster that have returned a punt at the college level and they decided to go with Keon Coleman, who's six foot four, 215 pounds, a little bit bigger than your typical punt returner. But at the same time, I mean, this guy is a freak athlete during practices. He's really started to look more and more natural as a punt returner. And I mean, it just gives one of your best playmakers on the entire team, another opportunity to uh, make a big impact on the field for Florida State. So we'll see how that one works out. It's going to be huge as far as, um, you know, this top 10 matchup against LSU being his first game reps. Uh, it's going to be a really loud environment, a lot of anticipation going into Sunday night. And we saw what happened on the Tiger side last year with those two muff punts. So, I mean, once again, this game is could very well come down to whichever team executes the best on special teams. And Florida State's going to need a clean night from Keon Coleman in his first game at that job. It's so unique seeing a bigger guy like Coleman back there. You're used to your Rashad Greens and your and your Micah Pittman's are a little bit smaller, a little bit slimmer, a little bit shiftier once they catch the ball. Seeing a guy that big that bear back there is going to be a little different. Mm-hmm. It is. I know. Well, speaking of this, you know, going into this game preview for Florida State versus LSU, let's jump into that. We won't. We don't need to dive into a whole ton because I think Zach gave us a really nice rundown on LSU side and what to expect. But I think it's worth our due diligence to talk about Florida State side and what they're going to be bringing to the table on Sunday evening. Uh, you know, bringing back Jordan Travis, bringing back Trey Benson. You've got Johnny Wilson. A lot of these newcomers from last year too expected to make a big time run this upcoming season for this offense and also defensively, but specifically offense. I'm looking at Johnny Wilson too. You know, a lot of players coming into this year, like Trey Benson, who wasn't able to really find his footing in the LSU game. You go back and you saw Trayshawn Ward be able to go North outside of all the running backs in that room. You lose Trayshawn Ward, but you're hoping now that Trey Benson 
able to bust off that rust like we saw uh, after about three or four games last year. He was able to find some success. You know, you, you got your running back now, but you also want to have some depth there with Lawrence Tofili and, and Keziah Holmes and a few others. And, but you just, you're losing some playmakers, specifically mainly Pokey Wilson. Like you were saying, Austin, he, he changed the game literally uh, against the LSU Tigers and was really reliable for Jordan Travis going deep. Someone's going to have to t- step up and, and take that role. But just you know broadly, what are y'all's thoughts about this game? Um, you know, do we think it's going to be a close game, far off game? H- how are we feeling? Uh, I'm leaning close game early. Um, you know, as as Zach was mentioning, there's a ton of playmakers on both sides of the ball, and the this is the time to shine. Sunday night prime time. This is this is when those playmakers shine. I'm really curious to see how the running backs on both sides respond. It's not something we've really talked about so far, but you know, Trey Benson had just 15 yards last year. Lawrence Tolfield had just nine yards. Noah Kane for LSU had just 23 yards, and then Josh Williams had just two yards. It was really the quarterbacks that carried the rush attack for the two teams last year. Can Trey Benson get going? Can you know Josh Williams get going for LSU? That's something that I think's kind of getting flown on the radar. Obviously, Florida State's got these towering wide receivers. You know, you have six seven Johnny Wilson, six four Coleman, six six Kyle Morlock. There's these huge targets that they're going to throw at. But I think Florida State's going to want to lean on a balanced attack. They had a really strong rushing attack for most of college football last year, except for the LSU game. I think they're going to want to change that and set the tone in this game. I really like that. That was the exact direction that I was going to take this. You know, the running backs on both sides, they just couldn't get it going, uh, going against two tough front sevens in Florida State and LSU last year. You know, it's very possible whichever side has more success uh, with their running backs in the running game could very well win this one on Sunday night. And the thing is, when you look at both of these running back rooms, I mean, there's a lot of talent in each of them. Florida State's got the experience on the offensive line with the 200-plus starts. LSU's got another year of experience with some of those guys coming back. So, I mean, it's going to be a really fun one, especially when you look at the opposite sides of the ball with the opposing front sevens this year. I mean, just so much talent um, on each side. And, I mean, man, it could go either way on Sunday night. I think it really could, but we'll see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, looking at the rushing game last year for Florida State – uh, for fans listening right now, for Treshawn Ward, 16 carries, 49 yards. On Trey Benson, though, he couldn't find anything. He had six attempts for only 15 yards in that game. Didn't make an impact whatsoever. Got to try to find some kind of rhythm for Trey Benson, your playmaker, and the and the running back room. And then, too, I'm looking at the tight end position, too. Cam McDonald no longer here with the program, um, but two two receptions for 23 yards. Now you've kind of flip-flopped that, and I'm not overlooking Marquise and Douglas because I know we talked about earlier on the depth chart, you got Kyle Morlock and you got Jaheim Bell, who are going to be playing a lot this season, but Marquise and Douglas shouldn't be overlooked. But this tight end room now is going to play a pretty big role this upcoming season and probably maybe specifically in this game alone just because you don't have a lot of game film to look off on uh, at these tight ends, definitely in Mike Norvell's system. But, yeah, Cam McDonald, two two receptions, 23 yards, Marquise and uh, Biscuit only had one reception for eight yards. Going to be huge for Florida State. I mean, you've got four bonafide threats at tight end, and each of them bring a little something different to the offense. So, I mean, you know, we're going to see 
all four of those guys, and I'm talking about Jaheim Bell, Kyle Borlock, Marquise and Douglas, and Preston Daniel on Sunday night, they're all going to find themselves involved in that offensive rotation. I think Jaheim Bell and Kyle Morlock, you know, could feasibly make some big plays against that LSU defense. And as far as Trey Benson, I do think we got to give some context to it. You know, only a second game back or well, only a second game at Florida State while still working his way back from that major knee injury that he suffered at Oregon. And that was really before that rise that we saw during the middle of the year and into the end of the year, you know, had a down performance against Oklahoma in the bowl game. But you've got to imagine this is one that he has circled on his calendar where he really wants to show a uh, bounce back performance with how it went last season and then how his 2022 season ended as well. You know, he's coming for that 1000 yard mark. And, and there's something you just mentioned there that how last year LSU was his second game. There's no week zero for Florida state this year. There's no ramp up game to get ready for LSU to get the, get the cylinders fire and get the engine going. This is game one for both teams. And does someone maybe come out a little slower? Cause they're still used to the camp flow. They're not used to the game speed yet. It's it's something that I'm definitely watching out for. Yeah, and not only for the players, but also for the coaches as well. Uh, and I think it's huge, too, for Coach Sertan going through his first game, a collegiate side, and you're going against LSU's wide receiver core, as we know, has been able to produce some really serious talent throughout the years. And Brian Kelly always able to find some success there offensively. But, you know, Jaden Daniels, they're going to have a good – you know, they're going to have a – Interesting time, you know, Sertan's job can be a lot easier if Odell Hagens and Coach JP are able to get over to Jaden Daniels. That's going to be something I'm going to watch. You know, I think my biggest matchup that I'm keeping an eye on is Will Campbell and Jared Verse Part 2. And is Will Campbell able to take a, not just a next step, he's going to have to take a big, big boy step on Sunday night. And I know he's talented and everything, but as you're going against Jared Verse, who's projected top 10, pick in this 2024 NFL draft it's not going to be an easy night whatsoever and they're gonna to have to game plan for that they're gonna to have to put two on Jared Verse and that opens up a lot of stuff for your inside there in the trenches for Braden Fisk, Fabo, Farmer, Malcolm Ray I can just keep on rambling on about uh, that defensive line Dennis Briggs so there's there's all kinds of things does that open up now if they're going to put so much focus on Jared Verse or on one side does Pat Payton kind of be a star here yeah. on Sunday night? As I see some nods here. Could that be a potential guy that be, is a star for the Seminoles on defense this weekend? It's going to be one to watch. You know, as you said, if someone's getting double teamed, that means someone else is going to have more of an opportunity to uh, get to the rusher or get to the quarterback, depending on whatever situation you're in. You know what you have in the interior. Pat Payton made a huge jump last year for Florida State, ended up winning that um, ACC defensive rookie of the year. And I mean, he's just continued to make strides throughout the off season has been dominant at times uh, during preseason camp. So, you know, if Jared verse is getting double team, there's going to be a lot of attention on him. I think Pat Payton on the opposite side is someone you're looking to, to step up and have a potential breakout game against LSU. I'm, I'm really curious to see how LSU schemes their offensive line to defend against Florida state's front four. Cause as we mentioned, Jared verse dominated LSU and Will Campbell last year. But they've also handed Will Campbell that number seven patch for this for this upcoming season. They can't give him a jersey because he's the offensive lineman. But <laughs> they think he's ready for the next step. And, you know, maybe they start him out one-on-one against Jared Verse for the first couple of series, see how it plays out. I think we all know how that's going to go if that's what happens. And if, if it goes like that, Pat Payne's going to have a really big night. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think Will Campbell's a good player. I, I think Will Campbell's player. a good player. Yeah, Jared, I, I Jared Verse is just a freak. Yeah, I, I think he's got an extremely bright future, 
it's just how it is though this is football it's not a, it's not a tennis match you're going against someone that wants to destroy you and he did that last year i was talking about this in the spring once he arrived uh, a year and a half ago two years ago you know th- this kid wants to destroy you and he's going to get in your ear too throughout the whole entire game and then once you you tick him off too and you get his juices flowing it's it's over for you and we saw that it put him on put it on his ass a couple times i mean and, and two jared verse too i think people are forgetting after that louisville game that wasn't 100 percent jared verse for the rest of the season jared verse right now putting on 10 pounds of size muscle uh, and not no longer in that brace. He hasn't been with that brace in a while now, D. Lou. Um, you know, I it, it's uh, he's coming for something, and I think too he he wants to show he wants to show the country once again uh, why he's projected to be like this. And the amount of scouts too that are going to be in Orlando will, will be ridiculous. Too. There's just so much talent, and you know, scouts love their defenses, and these are two guys that you know Perkins and Jared Verse that are going to be big time playmakers for upcoming NFL teams once they make it and get drafted. But yeah, I, I just, I'm looking forward to that match and see how much better Will Campbell can be able to take on verse. We'll see. Uh, I'm, do we need to, do we need to have a uh, kind of a lookout for Kaziah Holmes? You think Dustin, I'm trying to think of someone that can maybe be a surprise player that FSU fans even might be like, wait, who's 26 out there that might make some splashes uh, in that running back room? Because it seems like he's one that has a lot of good patience. And if this offensive line can build some chemistry, it's going to be hard. Like you're saying, VZ, this is no no tune-up game. You, you, you literally are going right into it. And week one, I feel like Isaiah Holmes has showed us in camp. He's got the patience. He's able to hit the hit the holes right, and he's kind of a home run hitter there and can stretch uh, down the field. I think him or Rodney Hill on the offense would probably be good ones to think about. As you said, Isaiah Holmes, more of a patient type of guy, is able to follow his his blocks and then, you know, also make stuff happen on the jump whenever he has to if a certain play is not there. And then Rodney Hill, more of your uh, athletic playmaker type who can really take a make a cut in the dirt and then take a step and – He's gone. So I think one of those two guys, you know, we know how Florida State likes to distribute carries in that running back room. Trey Benson and LT are going to see a lot of time, but then you're going to see Kaizea and, and Rodney probably get some opportunities in there as well. And then on the other side, I'd probably have to go with Quindarius Jones. It, it won't surprise me if Florida State throws him out wow. there to uh, yeah, throws him, throws him into the fire and gets him some real reps on Sunday night. I think that kid and Conrad Hussey as well, I think both of them have some real promise and some real potential to play a lot of quality football for Florida State this upcoming season in important moments. Yeah, I was going to mention Conrad Hussey as well because I wouldn't be surprised to see Florida State maybe throw out three safety looks and maybe have Shaheem or one of the other safeties spy Jaden Daniels, just give them different looks. And Conrad maybe that guy that they throw back there just to, to provide some extra safety depth. Mm-hmm. How was practice looked? And we, we kind of went over and didn't touch on practice observations this week just because of a hurricane coming in, haven't had tough to really analyze anything D Lou, but just kind of same old, same old, uh, you know, kind of practice from the Seminoles. Are you seeing anything different specifically? Yeah, it's a little different when you're going into game weeks. Cause now you're, you're kind of focused more on the team's preparation for the opponent than kind of focusing on individuals necessarily. But I will say on Tuesday, I mean, Fabian love it some absolutely dominant moments from him, which was another reason why when we talked about him earlier, you know, I feel really confident about what he's going to be able to bring 
for Florida State on Sunday. As far as the rest of practice, you know, pretty overall good day for Florida State. It's all Keem Dent come away with an interception. But I thought, you know, this was a day where you've got the hurricane coming in and you're five days away from kicking off your 2023 season. Um, Florida State had a chance to kind of just go through the motions and overlook that practice a little bit. But I thought there was a great deal of focus, and you could tell this team was really dialed in during the uh, scout team portions of practice. So the very encouraging and mature mindset that we've seen throughout the preseason continuing now into game week where Florida State's going to open up against a top-10 opponent. This feels really businesslike, and it's been that way since uh, fall camp has begun, but I'd go all the way back to spring, and I'd still have it in my head when you know Mike Norvell was telling us that they've been working since January. You know, they, they've been prepared and, and getting, making sure that they're they're building a team that's ready and focused going into this 2023 season and um, having your star players return and have that experience. It, it helps you quite a bit and get that done. But uh, Florida State, though, last year beating LSU off of a blocked extra point, 24 to 23, Florida State giving up 13 points in the fourth quarter. I'm just really interested to see how this will shake out. Florida State didn't score in the first quarter at all, zero points. LSU only getting a field goal as well. But um, trying to find some offensive rhythm early, I think, is going to be key for Florida State. And, you know, Jordan Travis, if they've been able to build that chemistry with guys like Keon Coleman uh, and your other youngsters, like maybe a potential Destin Hill, or if Hakeem Williams gets in there, any, you know, those little things will be tests along with Jaheim Bell. And that's someone that I think, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't know how Mike Norvell is going to use him. We're about to find out, but I, I don't know if we'll even really get a full Jaheim Bell. I might want, might not want to show us everything as we get, as that's the first game of the season, but you're going to see a splash of Bell and what he's going to be able to bring to this offense in South Carolina. couldn't find out a way to use him. I think Mike was able to give him a pretty good spiel in his recruiting efforts and get him to Tallahassee, and I think we're going to see that in week one. It's just a completely different offense, a completely different offense from what we saw take the field against LSU last year. I mean, Jordan Travis, we had begun to see those strides of improvement at the end of the 2021 season, but we didn't know that he could do it against a caliber of team like LSU last year. And, I mean, he went out there and had one of the best performances of his entire career on a national stage. Trey Benson, we didn't know what he was going to look like at Florida State. Johnny Wilson was still finding his rhythm. Keon Coleman wasn't here yet, obviously. The tight ends, I mean, are just night and day different compared compared to what they were a year ago. I mean, remember, we had them as the worst position group on the team coming out of the preseason for Florida State. Now it's one of your top positions on that offense. The offensive line is more proven, more depth, more experienced. So, I mean, just looking all over, and I mean, then you have other guys like Kentron, who, you know, you're expecting more from now. And then the guys that you've got in the slot and Destin Hill and Winston. So it's just completely different from where it was a year ago, even though there's a lot of the same faces there. These guys have now proven themselves. There's a lot more talent than depth and depth on just about every position on that offense. Um, mm-hmm. There's a reason why we're expecting them to be one of the very best in the entire country. And why you and I predicted 12 and 0. Yeah. <laughs> mm. It's still scary to put in our heads, but VZ's laughing down here. Watch them go 12 and 0, and then you look like a total. Sister. Listen, I hope so. I want to be wrong. Absolutely. I want to be on the good side of Ron. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, gentlemen, is there anything else you want to bring up 
before we jump into score predictions, I feel like this is a pretty damn good show, kind of getting us prepared for what we're going to see on Sunday night. Um, I feel like re- real quick, we've gone an hour and 17 minutes. We haven't mentioned LSU tight end Mason Taylor, who's mm-hmm. a really, really good player, has a chance to be the second best tight end in the SEC behind Brock Bowers. Florida State's going to have to account for him for sure. Him and Malik Neighbors are absolutely their two best receiving threats. Yeah, no, they are. I was going to bring that up to Zach earlier. We just had so many things going at him. But, yeah, Florida State has always kind of had these little fits here and there. They've always been able to lock down their playmaker at wide receiver, specifically sometimes also at running back position. But tight end sometimes usually leaks out there here and there and kind of gives them some fits. But that's why I'm looking at the well-experienced linebacker room, though. And that's going to take a lot of film work and just having those veterans in there makes me feel, uh, you know, as an FSU fan, make me feel a little bit more secure there. Definitely in DJ Lundy having more, uh, having that improvement there in coverage, I think too, is going to be a, a factor and play really well for them in case they want to give uh, 46 some fits. I, I think he's going to be able to stick hip to hip for the most part because he's he just looks lean, man. He, I know he added on some pounds, but if he's able to go uh, three downs uh, this upcoming season, you know, that that's a lot. There's, there's a lot to like about Lundy and Adam Fuller has been extremely high calling him the most improved linebacker on, on this team. I'm looking at, I'm really looking at these quarterbacks, you know, last year, Jordan Travis was under a ton of pressure from LSU, but he was able to get outside of the pocket and uh, make some throws and also make some plays with his legs to uh, keep Florida state alive. And then also with Jaden Daniels, you know, one of his best rushing games of the season to uh, really power LSU during that second half and almost make the comeback. So, I mean, once again, going to be looking at the legs on Sunday night. Jordan Travis did not get sacked last year in this matchup against LSU. Did a really good job, the offensive line as well, of uh, keeping him upright. And then on the flip side for Jaden Daniels, was able to break contain from Florida State's uh, defensive ends and linebackers and get out there and help LSU uh, stay ahead of the chains a couple of times. So that's going to be another huge aspect on uh, Sunday night, and especially Florida State, you know, defending Jordan Travis. Um, now LSU doesn't have B.J. Ojolari. They don't have Ali Gay. Mason Smith is out. You are going to have Harold Perkins, who, I mean, is going to be a monster to handle, but you've got to like FSU's chances there. You've also got Marquevious Wingo, though, who's who's getting the – Who's getting the number eighteen? That's that's he's going to be pretty good for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there's a lot of playmakers. Just like uh, Mac Daddy Donk is putting here in the comments. Quick note: Perkins did not play in this game last year too, and that's mm-hmm. something that we are heavily keeping an eye on going into it. Zach giving us a good rundown of how Perkins has looked and everything. That's something that Mike Gravel they got to be they got to have a smart game plan for, uh, and that's what makes it so much fun about this upcoming matchup. Um, I was super excited about it last year, but some for some reason even more more excited for this one uh, just because of the storylines from both sides. So much talent. You know, you're just as a college football fan, you're fiending for something like this. So just to be in person for it, for a top 10 matchup of this caliber, they be the hottest game of the weekend, no matter what, barring nothing else, man. This is the place to be as an Orlando if you like college football. So. Yeah, I'm set. I'm I'm set for my my score predictions, and I'm ready to start packing my bags. I'm re- I'm, re- I'm ready to head down there, man. This hurricane crap's done. I had a beautiful sunset here. We're ready to rock, man. We're ready to rock. Um, I'll go first, and so we can start off the. 
or whatever kind of cycle we do throughout the season. Uh, but like we said in the season preview, I've got Florida State winning this game, uh, specifically just off of, like you were saying, Dustin, I think Jordan Travis showed us his arm on what he was able to do last year, and that only developed even more specifically, too, after those losses that he had and just got better and better with determination. Uh, that showed me a lot of signs going into next year if for if Florida State was able to keep Jordan Travis in Tallahassee. And so they did, along with too much talent. Too much talent returning from Florida State's system and also experience on the outside coming in, both offensively, defensively. Um, I, I think it's a mismatch for a couple of matchups in this game for LSU specifically, mainly in that secondary, if they're not able to find a mesh there. And, and build chemistry early on. I think Jordan Travis as a passer can find his ways there. And, you know, with new targets, if chemistry has been built in spring and fall camp, I think Mike Ravel should be able to get down on the field and it's going to be up to Adam Fuller's defense to make sure you're securing down Jaden Daniels. And we've already talked about it, Florida State's front seven, the experience you have at linebacker, the experience that you're bringing onto your offensive line and, you know, the tight end room, but just going to defense though, you know, Braden Fisk, Fabian Lovett, you know, uh, Jared Burst. We, we, we've talked about this enough. I got Florida State winning this one 31-20, and uh should be a fun Camping World Stadium. I got 31-20. Wow, so, double digits. And make double sure you digits. drop – yeah, double digits. Drop down the uh, – make sure you drop down your score predictions too here on YouTube and Facebook as well. We want to bring these up on the screen so we can hold everyone on this show accountable. But whoever who wants who wants to go next? It's funny. It's funny you would say that, Logan. Because I mean, man, this game on Sunday night, building up to be an absolutely epic matchup, a ton of talent on both sides. But Florida State, I mean, they just have so many guys coming back on both sides of the ball. Um, second most returning production on defense in the country, sitting at their eleven on offense. But they've added in so much talent in the tight end room and the offensive line, and Keon Coleman and Destin Hill at wide receiver. So, I mean, man, just so much experience there for FSU. Um, and then also, you know, think back to this game last year. Florida State was leading 17-3 to and also 24-10 to in the second half. Uh, also missed a fourth down conversion in the first half over in the red zone, I believe, inside the 10. And then also had a chance to ice the game late, but uh, mishandled that toss. And LSU got it and went down and had their chance to tie everything up. So Florida State almost handled this game. A season ago and I just think with how much the Seminoles have proven themselves over last year with the amount of talent um, coming in through the transfer portal you've got to feel good about Florida State going into this one and Logan I mean man we're going to continue holding hands here I've got Florida State 31 LSU 20. Wow. Whoa what's going Holy on crap. here Holy crap. what I had coming <laughs> in so wow we're really we're really holding hands going into this season together Dustin wow Unbelievable. we really are, you, are. Man, you guys aren't sharing a room in Orlando, right? No, I'm, I'm glad we aren't now because holy smokes, <laughs> I'm a little nervous about what could happen Saturday night before the game a little bit. Your wife uh, won't be there either, Dustin, so that's a little alarming. I'm single, <laughs> by the way. Uh, anyways, let's uh, keep moving on here to get PC's prediction. Uh, it, it's, it's been exciting. You know, I've taken over the game previews for, for football this year, so I've been doing yep. a lot of research, get, getting, getting, my, getting the brain ready. Seeing what to expect, I think this is going to be a shootout, honestly. I think both offenses are geared up. I think Jaden Daniels is ready to take that next step at LSU. But Florida State's loaded at wide receiver between Keon Coleman, Johnny Wilson, 
Destin Hill, Winston Wright, Poitier. We could just keep going, plus the tight end. I think that's going to be too much to overcome for a secondary that, while they're inexperienced in the system, they're also shorter. You've got Zy Alexander at 6'2". You've got one safety that's 6'2". Everybody else is six foot shorter, at least everyone that's expected to be a major contributor. I think that's just going to be too much for LSU to overcome. But I, I do think it's going to be a little bit closer. I've got Florida State winning 37-31. to 31. Okay. All right. So we're all in single digits, huh? It's going to be a tight one. Well, I said single digits. Y'all what, said double. What are you? T- what, yeah, what, your your math is not. What do you think? Thirty one. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm eleven. I'm eleven. I'm eleven. I'm eleven. I'm eleven. <laughs> I'm eleven. I'm eleven digits. Yeah, math. I haven't taken in a while, guys. I have not done that. But uh, yeah, so we're all predicting Florida State to come away with the win. Mm. All right. Hey, now y'all riding with me. Y'all weren't with me last year. Come join me, baby going to feel hopefully delicious i don't know when we do our post game show on the field afterwards i'm hoping that uh we're right about this one but well, y'all uh, y'all be on the field i'll be probably in my car yeah we're either gonna be happy or we're gonna have to crack an egg on our faces so and then go to the, <laughs> and then probably tuck each other into the bed at the hotel when we go back and drink I don't know about that part but. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah if you're on youtube right now got 48 likes 175 people watching on youtube alone but hit that like button before you bounce out if you want florida state to win the game hit the like button usually it does turn out in your favor but appreciate everybody this whole entire offseason hanging out with us it feels good to be done with the offseason we're in game week florida state taking on the lsu tigers brian kelly looking for some revenge now, Mike Norvell and Brian Kelly kind of building up a little rivalry here at this point, but we'll see if Mike Norvell can get away and get the KO in Orlando and get the win. As always, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. We will be there all throughout the weekend, giving you guys all kinds of coverage. Make sure you're following us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Make sure you're in our Discord as well. That thing is growing rapidly as we are now arrived into football season. So make sure you guys go join there. It's in our YouTube description down below. Free to join. Go ahead and join 2,300-plus FSU fans in there. We've got game day chats. We've got realignment chats. We'll have college football game-by-game chats. So if you're not in there and you're getting ticked off with Twitter, come into Discord. Uh, It's a good time in there and join a lot of good FSU fans. We will be on here Sunday night most likely maybe Monday early morning around midnight, giving our instant reaction to Florida State versus LSU, giving our post-game thoughts on that. So that's how we'll be all throughout the season. If you're new here, we'll preview it on Wednesday night, hopefully with a guest. And then also we will re- we'll review the game afterwards, immediately after the post-game pressers are given to us from the coaches and players. So tons of content. Appreciate everybody hanging out with us this off season it's been a thrill uh it's it, it kind of shocks me sometimes how many people want to listen to us listen to us on the audio versions come in here and chat and everything it really does mean a whole ton to us it really does and i look forward to this day all throughout the week so definitely appreciate everybody and just like our guy terrell says here the discord is the best it certainly is so uh yeah dustin vz we're here gentlemen we're here no going back now. We'll see if Florida State's able to make its run, make it to this ACC championship, and maybe a playoff berth for the first time since 2014. We'll see. Ready, it man. All, it all starts now. And I will say, Nick mentioned it way earlier in the show. 
the LSU game last year is the game that broke my football curse for games I was in attendance for. So we're running it back this year. Just know it. Start a new one. <laughs> no, I hope not. I hope not, VZ. I hope it. I hope it does stay, and we build some consistency here. Listen, yes, we do need that. Listen, we're we're one and zero. I didn't go to any of the football games last year. I don't think, unless I'm missing one. No, I don't think so. You didn't make it. Yeah, you didn't come to the ball game. Nope. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, appreciate everybody. Y'all have a great rest of y'all's week and safe travels down to Orlando. If you see one of us, make sure you say what's up. Don't be shy. And uh, yeah, we'll see you down there in Orlando. Peace. Mama told me not to say word. Seventeen five same color T-shirt. Mama told me not to say word. Seventeen five same color T-shirt. Mama told me not to say word. Seventeen five same color T-shirt. Mama told me not to say word. Seventeen.